0: You're listening to The Hour with Resident Advisor. The Hour! This This is 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 The Hour. hour. You're listening to The Hour. This
1: is The Hour.
2: With Resident Advisor.
3: Hello and welcome to The Hour. My name's Ryan Keeling and I'm the editor at Resident Advisor. The Hour is RA's monthly blend of documentaries, discussion, interviews, and lots of other things besides. On today's show, we find out why the techno artist DVS-1 recently built a wall of sound in Rotterdam and Daniel Avery tells us how he went about making a mix for the much-loved DJ Kicks series. But first, each month we ask five people from across the dance music industry the same topical question. With our in-residence event series about to reach Mystic in Seoul, South Korea, we asked, what makes a great club? First up, AJ Jaram, promoter from Clock Strikes 13 and The Hydra.
4: So one of the things I've always been really interested in is the dynamic between venues and their patrons. Largely because I feel that those establishments which foster that relationship thrive and those that don't are perhaps less successful. There are a handful of widely regarded tenets of what makes a club good. I think safety is absolutely paramount. We all want to feel comfortable in a particular environment. We want to feel we have confidence in the people from the team behind the venue. The other thing I think is really underestimated is the anticipation that uh, is involved in the process of going to a nightclub. It's something that nowadays people can probably manipulate more in terms of uh, artists and promoters and and the social media campaigns that go on. But um, certainly my formative clubbing experiences were underpinned by the anticipation of standing in a queue, perhaps feeling a little bit compromised already on on my way in. And just really looking forward to a DJ being in a venue that I knew well and had that kind of relationship with and felt safe in, and just being very very excited about the whole experience.
3: Tato and Zviad from Bassiani in Tbilisi.
1: What comes first to mind is obviously love, passion, and respect for electronic music and dance culture. I think taking things seriously is a very important element. Uh, judging from my experience quite a few people i know from the industry even djs don't take a night out seriously enough since in the end it's just an entertainment they say which is a wrong perception of clubbing in my opinion in most major cities all over the world there are or have been in the last few decades outstanding nightclubs with essential social and in many cases political importance and influence uh musical direction and its uniqueness is vital here of course Uh, For me, with no doubt, it's the most crucial criteria, because the music stands first. Uh, But once again, setting priorities is a false attitude here. Guess it's not even worth mentioning that there is no great club with no great sound. And surely, knowing your space and people well, presenting them the right concept and messages is of an existential importance. And I think no curfews, at least the early ones, because they are a true evil. For me, the place is amazing when it has its own identity. You can get everything from DJ equipment to lineup, but you can't buy vibe
5: there. If you take these great clubs and put in the other cities, it won't work for sure. That's why city and the energy with the crowd always plays main role for achieving certain vibe there. Here's Hugh Taylor from RA's events
3: team.
6: What makes a great club Uh, With the in-residence series we've been doing this year, I've been lucky enough to do a lot of travelling to a lot of clubs that we'd handpicked as some of the best in the world. Um, There's a lot of elements that go into making a good club. Obviously, booking is probably the number one aspect. Sound is also incredibly important. The buildings themselves can be a huge factor as well, just in the sense of all you might get in one. But all of these can't, on their own, or even all together, really make a club that's great. What makes a club truly great is a unique and personal vision behind it, from a hardworking, dedicated, passionate team. When all of those things come together, and there's someone that's really steering the ship, as it were, you can feel that in
3: every element of it, from the crowd to how it looks to how it sounds, and that's what really makes you come away with a great club. DJ Heinrich Burkfest.
5: A good, uh, a good club needs a good crowd. If the crowd are not there or if the crowd are douchebags uh, it's hard to make a good party i guess so that's the first thing i would say Um, i like wooden floors in clubs because uh, first of all if it's a little bit bouncy it's it's nice to dance on and i guess i guess you can dance for longer if it's a little bit softer than concrete also the the acoustics tends to be better if it's like wooden and it gets i really like this buddhist sounds
3: berlin dj
7: vera um, when i think of a great club i imagine a warm nice dynamic clear sound first of all i imagine like a nice dance floor in a sense of like I look at the people that are really into the music. I have smiles. I have like a kind of like a good mix between boys and girls, I guess. If you have too many guys, like the energy goes in a different direction. If there's a lot of girls, you know, and they're having fun, the guys are also in a good mood, you know. Like this is somehow how the game goes, you know. And if there's too many men, you can feel that sometimes that there's maybe too much testosterone in the club and you have to kind of try to balance it with maybe more mellow music. (laughs) It should not escalate the situation. probably also um, I think of the owner that is probably really into the music and that actually supports good quality in sense of choosing the right people to work there, choosing a good sound system, making the club comfortable to hang out there. Actually some of the best clubs that I know they also have a good coffee machine.
5: You're listening to The Hour with Resident Advisor.
8: This is Will Lynch, Associate Editor of Resident Advisor and I'm standing on a dock in Rotterdam outside a massive industrial complex, a former grain silo actually, called Masilo, which will be the venue for tonight's rave, The Wall of Sound, hosted by Zach Kuduretsky, or DVS-1 as you might know him. The party will be a bit different from your average house or techno night. It's the first date on a tour celebrating the 20th anniversary of Hush, which is the umbrella company for Zach's various projects over the years, including his record label, his sound company, and his events. So the Wall of Sound is inspired by the raves Zach went to back in the 90s in Minneapolis, and in particular there's one detail of these events, which is the Wall of Sound, essentially a monolithic wall of speakers sitting on one end of the room that kind of takes the place... Of the DJ in a way. The crowd stands there facing this custom-built sound system as they dance. The DJ is sort of out of sight over on the side. Sonically it's got a different effect from your average uh, club sound system. Basically it's a bit more physical. Uh, Standing there dancing you don't just hear it you really feel like you're in this vortex of sound and pressure and you, you feel kind of physically moved by the sound system. Naturally, doing this kind of thing takes a bit more effort than just turning up to a club and playing. Um, Zach worked with Danley Sound Labs, a group he's respected for many years, to custom build the rig and then teamed up with the crew on the grounds here in Rotterdam to set it up. They've been working for about two days on it. Nothing happened.
2: Yeah. It's like we were right where we were four yeah. hours ago. Yeah,
8: exactly. So now everything's ready to go. The club's about to open. You got me? Yeah, I got you. All right. And I'm here with Zach and his main sound guy, Robert Van Spike. What's
2: happening, we, we decided to, to set up more speakers than we need, push on people a little bit, and uh, give them hopefully a little bit of a different experience. You know, something a little different than what they're used to on their every Friday and Saturday night going out to hear House and Techno.
5: At first we needed to design the system, so that it's just stacking around some subwoofers and loudspeakers so that we easily uh, uh, can make noise, but also it needed to sound well. So uh, of course we started to need uh, to make some, some simulations in specific software. Then we found out that, well, it actually was going to work. So, well, yesterday we set the system up here in the venue and uh, with our guys, we, we tune the system, uh, align the subwoofers to the top cabinets, uh, make everything working right and hopefully we can give uh, well, the people who are coming uh, a very nice experience.
2: I mean the, the background of getting it ready is really just getting everyone on the same page to understand the idea and the vision of the night and it's not necessarily about just turning it up loud and showing off. It's it's about, you know, the pressure, the sound. I mean, we, we play body music and on this level it becomes body music, it becomes physical. So with their help and m- maybe my idea together, we can deliver that kind of vision or that thing that I'm imagining and remembering from my experiences that I already had. The focus is less on the DJ and more on the sound system. The sound system takes center stage. The DJ is only to the side. And of course, we're the conduit, we're playing music. But ultimately, it's people in the end when the lights are off and the energy is going, people are looking at the sound system. They're always looking where the music is coming from. And when you put the DJ center at you, where normally at a club or a festival, everyone's ultimately looking at the DJ. But tonight I'm hoping that they're looking at the sound system. They're gonna physically see the music coming at them. So it's just a change of perspective, I think, for that.
5: And of course, it can be, if necessary, much more louder than a usual setup, because <laughs> uh, we can fill up the room, uh, with this minor speaker, we can have a room which is about ten times the size of this. So normally, with six of the big subwoofers you see uh, inside, we do a festival for about five to six thousand people. So now we have approximately two thousand
7: in, yeah, in yeah, this night. So or less, it's, yeah.
5: it's 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 completely different than a normal uh, club or festival sound system.
2: I mean, to me, every time I, I did sound on this level back in the day, it was always. I hate to compare it to this, but it's like riding a wild animal. I mean, it's this. This thing is a beast, you have so much headroom, so much energy, the slightest adjustment can be too loud or not enough. And so it's the whole night you're kind of riding this wave trying to find that perfect sweet spot where it's like, it's tremendous, but it's not overwhelming.
8: Robert talked us through the technical side, the sound system.
5: We have 24 single 18 subwoofers, it's all kind of technical terms, and we have six uh, quadro uh, 15 inch subwoofers, so in total we have 30 subs which is uh, well a ridiculous amount for this venue.
2: When the room fills up and the energy of the sound is high, to me the idea is that everyone in the room cannot stand still. I mean, the physical energy in the room, whether you're at the bar, you're in front, obviously the the fanatics, we call them the speaker-freakers, those people will be in the front. They will be against the sound. They will be in the field that's the most intense. And then those who are a little less uh, brave will, will go back further and further. But anywhere you are in the room, as you walk around, you'll see people moving. They can't stand still because there's this energy in the room that's pushing on you. And like the the water and how bass works with the water, it's physically moving your insides, it's moving your body, and it feels good. I mean, when the tone hits from the mid-range to the bass, it physically feels good. It makes the hair on your arm stand up. It makes your heart rate sink to the sound. It, makes everything kind of come together. So it's beyond just listening, it's beyond just that normal experience. I want somebody to come here and understand why this was better or different than the other experience they have next weekend or the weekend before. I want them to demand in their future something better for themselves because of maybe this experience. Like, wow, this was, I I totally heard music differently. So this is what I'm chasing now.
8: It was a very powerful system. After a set, I caught up with the night's main guest, Detroit techno legend Jeff Mills, to find out what it's like to DJ on the Wall of Sound.
9: I knew that the the concept of the night was based around the spatial dynamics of of a large sound system.
8: So the earlier tracks were
9: kind of, kind of testing the system, getting the people used to I guess the different dynamics of the of the sound system. So for about the first hour, it was just very constant, very pulse-like type of, and then once I I realized, you know, I could then maybe go off a little bit, then uh, I changed it a little bit, so. A perfect scenario would be if everyone that came into the club left not feeling exactly the same way as they came in. If they transcended to something or somewhere else or realized something within the few hours, so you just kind of hope for the best. I think that as many options as a DJ or a music programmer has in order to be able to use the music, the better. I think the more rich we make our genre, if we expand out more by trying to do or, or doing very, you know, very very different things. You're going to learn, you know, something in the process, and 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 what you learn, you can you can bring that back into dance music. So, making a, uh, a setting more dramatic, there's lots of things that you can learn in how to position the music in in a way to lead the listener up to a point of
8: uncertainty and then you know you 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 really have the the person a week after the show i caught up with dvs1 at ra's office here in berlin to reflect on how the whole thing went last time we saw each other was before the thing had properly gotten going yeah what were your main thoughts coming away from it
2: so every time we do this it's an experiment It's properly an experiment to what I envision in my head and what the reality is of what happens once we actually set it up. And so this year, like I don't know if we mentioned it before when we were talking, but we reversed a few things. Like we changed the the direction of the room. Most times the the sound was always on the other side of the room. We put it on the back side of the room. We tried to put the DJ booth on the ground instead of being elevated because I wanted people to be connected to the DJ. We had all these pre-thoughts of things that, like, just before I even touch on like the sound system itself, that's where the fine-tuning comes in of like how to get that right. So that that becomes the focus because that's my whole concept behind it is you know dance to the speaker, don't dance to the DJ. Stop dancing to the DJs, and it just happens to be the DJ is always front and center, and that also just happens to be where the sound is. But in a lot of places, also there's barricades between you and the sound system. There's there's literally a, a barrier because they don't want you to touch the speakers. And I wanted to take that away so people could lean on the speaker. They could sit on it. They could, you know, hang out on it. They could do whatever. And I think that's at least something that's unique, that regardless of my opinions or thoughts of the party, I think that was created. And that was something new for them.
8: So at least in that sense, I think it's a success. Here's Dasha Rush, who also played the Wall of Sound.
0: I did have an idea already of um, that kind of scenario from um, because I had experienced similar scenario in uh, like late 90s in during the technovals where um, it was more focused on the music on the sound than rather than a person who is playing but uh, when that came up with the concept I found it great because I think that's what techno events should be about it's just Emerge yourself into the music and sound, and not having um, you know telephones, taking pictures all the time, and kind of focus basically on listening. And then through listening, you can really fall into you know this living in the music process. Beside the physical aspect of the sound, which is great because it affects you. You know, we talked about it; it affects you in a different ways different frequencies, you know, wherever your body oscillates also different you know, on the different frequencies. But actually, I felt way more comfortable playing, that um, I was kind of, you know, like in my studio, an intimate corner behind the sound system. So I just concentrated on what I was doing and was not preoccupied by anything else. So it's actually also from the perspective of an artist, it's nice sometimes you kind of just really having this space where you can just, you know, like intimate space.
8: Did you notice anything different in the way the audience reacted or in the general kind of vibe of the the party?
0: Maybe not everybody were familiar with the concept. The positive side, I think the people who let themselves go and emerge, really emerge in the sound and the music, I think they probably had a, an amazing experience while well, I heard some feedbacks from some audience or friends that they had a great experience being just in the darkness and in the sound. And I guess that was the initial idea.
8: Are you excited to do it again to give another shot?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A- after the event, actually, I called I called one of the guys that I learned everything from in Minneapolis, my my buddy Chad, who did a lot of my early parties with me and taught me a lot that I know about sound. And I kind of brought up to him where I was happy with things and where I wasn't and what was I missing and you know what was his opinion on certain speaker boxes and I sent him the specs of the system we used versus what we used last year and asked him what he used at these parties that I remember being the legendary ones that I experienced as a dancer and I think we fine tuned a little bit of what I need to do different next year and actually if I can pull it off next year I'm going to fly him out and have him actually organize, set up and design the system with me because he's the one that I learned from. And so if my idea is real and not just a fantasy, he can make it happen. So maybe that might be the missing element for me is to bring somebody in that was there for the fantasy that I experienced and was there for that part. And that might be even, that might be the last key that I was missing at the last couple of years, you know, that maybe I now understand that I need that.
8: In terms of your your own parties, you putting on parties. Sure. The chase continues, kind of. It
2: always, I mean, it always does. So I've owned like three sound systems since the '90s, and uh, the one I own right now is the biggest one I've ever owned. And I just kept buying more and more boxes. So right now I've got pushing probably a hundred speaker boxes in Minneapolis, and I mean I haven't even been able to set them all up in one show yet, and I'm waiting for the opportunity to do it. So to do the experiment, you need all these elements to work with it. The reality is. Having a venue like Masilo in Rotterdam, or having some other future promoters that are looking for the right venue for me now in other, in other cities, I think we'll be able to get it fine-tuned in the next year or two, and then be able to repeat that in other places.
3: to Will Lynch, DVS-1 and everybody behind The Wall of Sound. Over the past couple of years, we've been running a written feature on RA called The Art of DJing, where we have some of our favourite DJs go super deep on the craft. Now, On the surface, some people might think that there's not too much to talk about here. A DJ just selects some music and then mixes it in front of an audience, right? But of course, the exact opposite is true. There are an infinite number of variables to be considered when it comes to DJing. And it was with this in mind that we asked Daniel Avery to break down how he approached making a mix for the world famous DJ Kicks series. So something of an adventure to get down to your studio. Um, You wanna tell us a bit about the space and uh, like how long you've been down here? Yeah, so it's a an
6: old shipping container that was used in the Olympics as a dressing room, I think. All of these around it, this whole place is built on shipping containers. It's in East London, right next to the water, on a wharf, kind of stuck in the middle of nowhere. But you can see, the views are kind of crazy, you can see London from here, but it feels kind of a bit disconnected from London. But I like that, it's very quiet
3: and peaceful, and it's a
6: good escape down here I really enjoy it down here
3: it's an impossibly cliche question but like do you find the cityscapes and the surroundings inspiring does it directly feed into your music would you say
6: I like the idea that I am in London it's a
3: nice reminder to see that but I also like
6: being able to turn around and kind of walk away from it very easily down here so yeah it does
3: have an influence for sure we're obviously talking about uh, the DJ Kicks mix which is coming out next month. Do you recall what your first thought was when you received that email or that phone call?
6: Well uh, when K7 approached me um, we we talked about doing a mix we've been talking about a little while and then several things happened where um, they said actually you could do it sooner than we talked about um, but they said you need to, can you do it in just over four weeks from start to finish, and that included licensing. And I've I've been playing a lot recently so I kind of felt quite match fit as a DJ. I knew that I also had something in mind for the mix uh, that has to represent where I am right now as a DJ and where where I've been for the past two or three years since Drone Logic came out. The general idea being that I wanted it to be a techno mix, or at least have the the mask of a techno mix, but to have some kind of depth to it. Almost the illusion of a a mix that's just thrown together, but
3: one that has something more to it behind it really. So four weeks is pretty tight. Um, I'm wondering how did you begin the process? The first thing I did was
6: um, I spent a week here in the studio just with all my records and just going back and forth on my DJ setup, just endlessly uh, trying transitions and writing down things that worked and um, things that didn't. I knew there were certain labels I wanted to include, that's for sure. Semantica being one, uh, Northern Electronics being another one, um, and some artists like Rose and Iori from Japan. And I knew those guys, because those guys have been very important to what I've been playing recently and we share music between us. and feels like we're sort of part of something together, don't quite know what it is but... So they were top of the list, but that's how I began, just transitions and uh, some things just instantly clicked together. And also from DJing out a lot as well, I know there's certain tracks that just were made for each other almost. Um, maybe we could, I can play an example actually, one thing that I just knew straight away a track by Rico I've been hammering recently and a track by Artifact and um l- let's play it like it's what they they kind of have matching keys the drums totally match as a dj it's the kind of like dream dream combination really
3: Feel why that transition worked but are you able to articulate why you think that transition worked? As a DJ
6: I'm very interested in the idea of maintaining energy throughout a set and tracks um, feeling like they come from the same place almost. You know you can hear changes but there's a certain energy to the air. I'm also really fascinated both for someone who goes to clubs and as a DJ in the idea of music working in a hypnotic way. When you're in the heart of of a club and feeling like the music could just go on forever, um, you know you can hear the changes coming and going, but the music just has this like propulsive line through every track that's played, and that's something that I really wanted to try and capture with this mix for sure.
3: So it's the idea that um, as an audience member, you don't even necessarily know where one track begins and the other ends. I think that's a part of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't want it to,
6: you know. Tracks have their own identity for sure, but the
3: general overall feel of the mix is something that just flows throughout for sure. So let's uh, back up slightly, you, you said that you were uh, demoing uh, a bunch of the mixes, was this something you were doing on the CDJs? Yeah, yeah so I've got a CDJ set
6: up here and um, I, this is what I do every week anyway, I come in here, I like to come in here at least once or twice a week and just do that. Just back and forth, back and forth, trying what what tracks work together, what, and definitely what tracks don't go together. I think have got notebooks full of of things that work and and things that don't, um, and tracks that work well uh, towards the end of a set to pick up the energy, or something in the middle that would give you that sort of hypnotic quality, or something
3: that would begin a set. Yeah, I've got reams of paper and notebooks just full of this stuff. So you would uh, tend to replicate those mixes in the club context? Yeah,
6: absolutely. Yeah. I, then when I come to putting stuff on my USB key, it says it's, it's full of different uh, folders. Are so like this works at this time, this, this acid section will work nicely after this slightly deeper section.
3: And it's, it's all, that's how it's all constructed in my, in my folders. So how do we go from kind of messing around and experimenting on the CDJs to, to getting into Ableton? Well, um, it, it generally just goes... I group stuff together
6: in almost family so, or sections. So we've got like a... There'll be like a 15-minute section that I know works. And then... and then So that's how I begin, by, by getting, right, so how do I get from this section to this section? That's the next stage.
3: Uh, how in your mind were you defining these sections? Um, well, I knew... I guess to take one step back, I knew that... Um, I wanted the
6: mix to begin and end on an ambient feel. The Innate and Veil track, I got sent that week, I knew I was uh, I was going to do the mix, and it was perfect. And I, someone who I hugely respect, so it's perfect way to begin the mix. From there, I spent a day in here making the track Space Echo to fit. I, I wanted it to sound very similar to the Innate and Veil in terms of sonic quality and it's also in the same key again. Um, So the idea being that the sort of the moment you sort of go to sleep at the beginning of the mix and when you wake up from this kind of odd dream at the end of the mix I want it to feel very similar and if it if the mix looped around it would you know you couldn't quite tell the difference between those two tracks even though they are they have their distinct features they uh, they're very much part of the same group and that's how I do it with a lot of the tracks. A lot of the groups all have these little their own characteristics. There's a, a deeper section, there's a slightly more
3: abrasive section and that's how I began by putting it on the computer. The next part in that process presumably uh, kind of takes on a jigsaw quality were you kind of testing different sections next to one another and you know was the art kind of established out of that process?
6: yeah that's exactly what happens next so there's two two big things that happen next in this one is that the beauty of using something like ableton um another thing i write in my notebooks when i'm doing mixes is like what tracks loop properly over each other or under each other um so i had a a good idea of kind of some of the things i wanted to try but then ableton allows you to do that extremely quickly as well just sort of looping stuff and I knew with this mix that I wanted to approach it kind of like a producer and how I make my music and that my music has uh, it's quite densely layered. And I want to do the same with this mix, even if it doesn't seem like it, it's, even if it's not something you can kind of pick up on immediately with your ears, it's something that you can just feel in your chest. I think it's a good point to show uh, another example of that. So, you're going from what track into what track for this mix? So, this is the track Vertigo by Shlomo. Um, This comes quite early in the mix, right? In the mix. And then this is going into the track Dungeon by Planetary Assault Systems. we hey. Bells have come in, they're from the Planetary Assault Systems track, and and they um, they last, they kind of continue for about 10 minutes I think, of the whole track, they're just there, just love that loop, very hypnotic loop, they can just go over and over, but as that track is coming in, this, uh, the track before it, the Vertigo track, that I really like that breath, that human breath. And that that continues, you can't really hear it, but it's there. It continues for another two or three minutes under everything. so um, that idea of tracks being there for a long time was something something I like to do as a DJ when I play in clubs but I really like the idea of patience in a club from both from the DJ and from the people there if, if you're all locked into the same waveform almost you're um, that for me they are the best moments where everyone's on that same page and no one's like got their fists in the air saying when's the next track coming in it's the opposite everyone's got their eyes closed and they're locked into you um so that's why i was keen to have like this those bells for instance happen for like 10 minutes of the track and there's an artifact track right in the middle that kind of it takes a while to unfold but it's there for i think nearly 11 minutes or 12 minutes which kind of in the dj handbook is probably the one of the rules they say don't do in the middle of a set don't do a a long repetitive track but it was very important to me to have that idea of you can come on this trip with us if you want it's going to be an amazing trip but you have to go with us at our pace this is where it's going
3: and you can come with us but this is how it is would you say that this is a uh, newer technique or approach for you Um, I think People who know you from uh, maybe from Drone Logic or you're DJing a few years ago might be uh, surprised even to hear you talking about locking into the groove, like 10 minutes tracks, music with hypnotic elements. Is this uh, a newer technique or a new approach? Would you say? I think it's always been there inside me.
6: Um, I've always liked it as a, someone who just goes out to a nightclub. That idea. Um, actually when I made, when I first started making this Kicks, I put my Fabric CD on which is from four and over four years ago, four and a half years ago. I can hear the differences there, but at the same time there are definitely moments where, particularly with looping vocals that last a long time and go over whole tracks, I think I've just taken ideas that already existed and just pushed them much harder now. Um, I don't feel that I've, I definitely feel like I've moved on somewhat, but
3: I don't feel like I've jumped ship. I think this is just an extension of what I already had inside me. So it's long been established that Ableton is the go-to tool for putting together uh, commercial mixes. I realise some DJs maybe still, you know, do it live on turntables or CDJs, but you know, it's established in everybody's minds that Ableton is the program. Could we actually just back up and have you tell us? Why this is the case? Why is Ableton so good for for projects of this nature?
6: Well, for me, um, I've got plenty of recordings of me playing live off a mixer and CDJs. You know, it's well documented. Um, with Ableton, for well, the way I see it, is that you can push ideas harder. These ideas of loops that go on forever and um, being able to layer. Throughout this entire mix is basically three tracks playing at, at once, nearly the entire time. Even if you can't, even if it's just like a tiny hat from a, from one of the tracks, it's all quite densely woven together, and that's what Ableton is so perfect for. Another big reason is that you can treat a mix like you would a track as a producer. I always say to myself, the the mix itself as a whole is king. The mix is king. There were tracks in this mix that I was desperate to get on. A track by a track by Blawan, and there's one by Peter Van Hoosen and I was convinced that they were going to go on it. They, they fit exactly just what I was going for, um, and I even said to the the label, like, you know, when you're, you make sure put these top of your list. I need them first. I need to make sure I've got them first. But both of them, as great as they both are, and I've been playing them a lot, when it came to the mix itself, they were kind of jolting me out of that slightly dreamlike state when I listened to it. The, the transitions weren't working as well as I wanted. Um, and it's, it's very similar to when I'm making a track or in the studio. You can have, uh, have an element that is great, and it, there's not, technically there's nothing wrong with it, but it just doesn't quite fit into a mix. And it's such a liberating, it's a difficult decision to make to kind of stand up to your initial instinct. But if you just press that delete button, your whole, the whole track becomes free again. And I think it's very similar what you can do with Ableton in a DJ mix. If something just isn't working, you just have to throw it out and um, the mix just has a new, just breathes a sigh of relief almost. And that's, uh, that's something that is
3: very interesting to, to do with Ableton. So thinking about the development of the process, um, when did it become clear to you that you were approaching uh, something like the finished product?
6: This mix is probably version... 50 odd. Um, from different versions of it. Just um, What I always do is bounce a mix down and then walk somewhere. I've walked miles around London to this mix and you can hear how a flow is working or not working. I don't really have a specific answer to your question other than that it just feels like it's there when you've got it. It's no more scientific than that other than it just feels right.
3: Tell us about the exclusives on the mix. It's obviously a big part of the project that uh, K7 asked the DJs to, to write exclusive music uh, is that something you did at the beginning of the process? Did you stop the tracks in afterwards? How did that work? There's three exclusive
6: things on the, on the mix and they came at different points. The Space Echo ambient one happened right at the beginning because I knew how I wanted to end the mix. Um, a Mechanical Sky, which is the club track of mine on it, um, that came right towards the end. I knew that at that point I wanted to uh pick up the pace a little bit um have something that was quite have, had a sort of sense of urgency to it so i went in with exactly that in mind and that's what came out with that track it has urgency to it but it also has these quite lush pads in it to kind of in, throughout the track throughout the whole mix it can get a little bit abrasive at times but never aggressive, like aggressive is not a word I wanted to throw out immediately, I don't want anything to wake you up from that that dream almost. Um, Then the third one is Rote which is my project with Volt Fass, Um, that is something, I'll play you this actually, that's something we've been sort of messing about with for a few months, this vocal loop and we could never make it uh, work into a track but it was perfect as we just decided, how about we just use it as a DJ tool something um, we're both very much into, and it worked perfectly in this mix. So that that comes right in the middle. Me personally, I'm very much into the idea of quite cold female vocals that, that they appear in uh, a lot of tracks I've made in the past. That sort of uh, post-punky, new new wavy thing. So it, it was a perfect fit for this mix. I'll, I'll play a bit of the of the actual track that came out of it.
4: The the
6: king the king the king the king
3: you've talked a lot about how the club and kind of sensations in the club inform the mix but um, obviously this is a, a piece that's going to be uh, listened to away from the club where do you imagine people uh, most <laughs> most keenly enjoying the mix like what what's the what's the zone or the headspace or the situation you think would be ideal for it
6: i think it worked because it's so it's got so many layers to it i think head, uh, headphones is a great Thing. I also think a drive works. I've actually been on drives with it, or train journey does seem to lend
3: itself to that idea of propulsive movement. That's what I was aiming for with the mix, anyway. You've joined quite an esteemed club uh, in recording uh, DJ kicks. You know they've had some of the uh, very biggest DJs in the world over the years. I was wondering, do you have any favourites from the series?
6: I've always collected DJ mixes from from all over. Um, and DJ Kicks being like a, a big part of that collection. So yeah, um, the James Holden one in, in my past was a was a big uh, deal to me, the Fortet one, a very early one. Um, and then even recently I thought Nina Kravitz's was very impressive and showed a different side to her. I thought the actress one was really interesting. So yeah, I feel proud to be part of this club now.
3: Thank you for listening to The Hour. We'll be back next month with another blend of documentaries, discussion and interviews. You can find RA's podcasts, The Hour and The Exchange on residentadvisor.net and find us on SoundCloud at RA-exchange.